0: Hi, I'm Trisha, Research Manager at Immerse. I'm Christina, Curriculum and Assessment Manager at Immerse. Welcome to Connecting the Dots, Converse on the Verse. This show is all about diving into the pedagogy and efficacy behind Immerse, the first virtual reality language learning platform designed specifically for live language teaching and learning. Today's episode
1: unpacks what a communicative task is and the role grammar plays. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode four. It's hard to believe it's already episode four, right? Uh, Connecting the dots, converse on the verse here with with Tricia, my partner and myself, Christina. So welcome back or welcome to those of you who might just be joining us for the first time. So today I think we're digging into um, our lessons a little bit more. We're going to focus really on um, the communicative tasks that our lessons are built around. I think Trisha has some burning
0: questions she's going to be asking me. Yes,
1: I do. (laughs) So I'm ready when you are, Trisha.
0: (laughs) I do. Yeah, last time Christina gave us a really good overview, so that would be episode two. If you haven't heard that, I would actually suggest that you listen to it before listening to this, because she really did a great job kind of laying out how we even organize our lessons at Immerse and how they connect to the other parts of the platform. But in that episode, you told me that our lessons help learners master a set of communicative tasks. And so I'm wondering, what do you mean by communicative tasks for people who are listening and maybe don't know what that refers to?
1: Right. So when we think about language, you know, language is about communication, right? But every everything that we communicate, we're trying to accomplish something, right? So if we think about it, you know, right now, we I might be summarizing, okay, You might be requesting from me. Mm -hmm. These are all communicative tasks. What we, things that we do with the language. And you know, we can really categorize communicative tasks under certain functions, right? Are we trying to manage communication? Are we trying to socialize? Are we trying to navigate health and safety? Or maybe we're trying to navigate our home life. Okay. So all of these are like umbrellas, right? And under this umbrella, then fall these skills, these, you know, and they're kind of like sub functions, these skills of what we need to be able to do with the language, right? So it might be requesting, it might be giving advice. It might be apologizing. It might be sharing our likes or dislikes or expressing displeasure or dissatisfaction or negotiation, right? Um, So that's really what we mean by communicative tasks.
0: Okay. So Kristen, I'm gonna ask you kind of a hot question, but I'm curious what, in your mind, in your, with your expertise, what role do you think grammar plays in that?
1: Great, great question, and nobody has been able to answer this question since language <laughs> learning and teaching have existed, right? Or nobody's been able to to answer this in a way that everybody is agreed upon. Exactly. But you know, here here's the thing: grammar, whether we like it or not, plays a role in in communicating, right? Now, does grammar need to be at the forefront? or in the backdrop, right? That's the big question, I I think. And so, you know, the way we've designed our lessons is we've taken a real inductive approach to grammar. And, And we know this works with adult learners, because adult learners bring to the table their own knowledge about their own language right? Whether it's their first language or second language or a third language. And so what I mean by an inductive approach, we model the structures and we we bring notice to those structures, always in context then. And we really allow our members, our, our learners, to actually construct their own grammar rules based on their mm-hmm. own background knowledge. And we'll refine those as our instructors do, as our guides do. So we, we grammar plays a huge role because you can't communicate effectively, right? Without good structures. But at the same time, we have to take into consideration what our learners already know about grammar and letting them formulate their own rules Okay. With the support of, of our own roles and our, and, you know, and the guidance that our guides give in Immerse.
0: Yeah. And one, I will say one of the things that I, I love about our approach to grammar that I've noticed whenever our guides are leading lessons, or even just in the way that you design lessons is we focus on it to the extent that it's necessary to help communication, right? Like you don't go, guys. Don't go, and they nitpick every tiny little error that doesn't actually impact how successfully someone can communicate. They correct things when it's like, "Hey, if you say this, you're not going to be able to communicate effectively." Versus just like, "Hey, this is a tiny error that if you make it, it doesn't really matter, frankly." You know? Yeah, um, and
1: we and we call that out in a lot of our professional development um, experiences for our guides. For you know, we we really get them to focus on global errors those right. kind of things that interfere with communication, right? Versus local errors, which might drive a native speaker or an English language teacher crazy or a French teacher crazy, right? But but really doesn't infer- interfere at all with being able to accomplish a task in that language. Right. Um, so it, it's an important part because we all go through life and we make a few mistakes along the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I make mistakes in English still,
1: right? (laughs) But we're still able to communicate meaning. And and so I think that's an important part. And that helps build confidence too, with our members, with our learners, Right. right? Once they're able to communicate, then we can fine tune. I mean, just think about children learning a language, right? You know, if you're if you've been a parent or you've been around young children, you know how you watch that language Mm -hmm. explosion and you know watch them
0: experiment. You
1: watch them experiment with the language. Um, so it's just amazing because that's where you build confidence. Yeah,
0: Yeah. no, I agree. There's nothing more discouraging than like nitpicking every error someone makes when it's like, Hey, at the end of the day, you still understood them. Right. So so tell me, I'm gonna Switch Not switch topics, but kind of guide us back to talking about communicative Mm tasks. I know that you said two weeks ago that when you design a lesson, it's it's hyper focused, right? And you're really focused on one communicative task. Why is that so important? Yeah. Great question.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we want, first of all, it goes back to feeling like you can accomplish something with the language, right? So mm-hmm. motivation, it plays a huge role. So if I, if I am working on, you know, making a request or, you know, I just worked on a lesson the other day where you were complaining about a service, right? So, you know, when you go to complain about the service, you need that language and whether it's formal or informal and, you know, what kind of service or product might you be complaining about? So, you know, our members, our learners usually come and they have a very specific goal, a very specific gap they want to fill with their mm-hmm. language. So by focusing on one communicative task, they're able to actually pick and choose those gaps that they need filled. Right. But then, you know, from a pedagogical standpoint, it also makes a lot of sense because we can build that context and we can build all the language you need to accomplish that task. And then you are able to accomplish that task. So then what happens? Well, now you're more highly motivated. Mm-hmm. You feel more confident with the language, you know, that affective filter, which we've talked about with, with your research, also is much lower. Right? So, you know, there's so many reasons why we, we should just focus on accomplishing one communicative task at a time. And that's not to say that other language isn't brought in. Other language right. brought in, but what we want to master, what, you know, what we want to be able to accomplish at the end is being, you know, if I want to negotiate a car deal, I'm going to negotiate a car deal at the end of that lesson. So yeah. everything I'm doing is going to be focused on, on doing that.
0: I want to go back to what you said about picking and choosing
1: mm-hmm.
0: how our learners can then look at the lessons and they can decide, Hey, I want to pick this one. This is why I need to focus on. I know you've talked about that before, just in, not on this podcast, but just in conversations, you know, at work with our team. Why? Why is it so important for adult learners to be able, to, like, actually pick and choose and take control of kind of their their learning journey, as we call it at Immerse?
1: Yeah, g- great question. So, you know, adults—if adult is going to sign up for a language class or sign up for any class, there there's a goal that they have, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for our platform, it might be they want to travel. Maybe I want to go to France, right? So I'm going to take some French classes. Um, Or maybe I just want to be able to, you know, acclimate better to my environment if I'm an international student in the U.S., right? And so they have very specific goals. And as adults... We can drive our own learning, right? So we're mm-hmm. very autonomous in our learning. And I can always give the you know the example of, of math. Like I have high math anxiety, okay? So talk about after in math, right? Now if I got to, you know, so if I'm at taking class at university, I'm gonna pick and choose, right? I'm gonna probably take a statistics class over mm-hmm. a calculus class because I know that's gonna help fill a gap for me, but it's also going to be appealing to me, right? Right. And, and so I'm able to take those things that I have interest in, and I'm and I'm gonna be able to take those things where I'm gonna be able to take that information and apply it in an environment that's meaningful for me, whether it be traveling to France or, you know, going to a college party on a college campus and talking to to my peers right so being able to pick and choose you know again we have to take in who are our learners they're autonomous learners but they also have their own distinct goals and needs mm-hmm. and and where their strengths and struggles might lie right right and so being able to do that it, I think is really, really important. So, and that's one thing I love about our platform, right? Because it's not following some sequential-
0: Right, it's not predetermined for them. Right,
1: it's not predetermined. I, as a learner, can go and pick and choose. I really wanna know how to negotiate at a shopping center. I'm traveling to Mexico, for, for example, so I'm gonna go take a Spanish class on that. Um, and, and that becomes really very meaningful for adult learners.
0: Yeah. I've, I've always loved, I mean, even, you know, before we brought you on and before we had our curriculum really, I don't want to say set in stone because I know you're still working on it, but really developed. That's always kind of been one of our goals as a company is like, we're not going to tell you what, I mean, obviously there's, there's things that we know every learner needs to know, right? they are the basics. But we've never come at it from the approach of, like, we're going to tell you exactly the vocabulary you need to know. Because we know that we're dealing with adult learners, and a lot of them are studying Spanish for work. You know, we have a lot of members who work in hospitals and want to learn Spanish to talk to their patients. We have some that want to travel. So they all have different goals. And so I've always appreciated kind of like our emergent language teaching approach and even the way that you've handled curriculum where it's like we give them that autonomy to be able to decide what they want to learn, what they actually need to know. Right. Instead of us just being like, hey, we think you need to know this word that you might never use in your daily life.
1: Right. And I'm sure a lot of learners struggle with that when they're taking language classes at a a college or Mm -hmm. university, right? Because it goes through this really scripted syllabus. And there's so many assumptions made by the, through those syllabi, right? You're assuming that you don't know X, but you're also assuming that you know Y and you may not know Y, but you, you know, but you know, X, right? So, you know, this allows the learner to really be in the driver's seat of of their, of their own journey, right?
0: Yeah. I think it's very powerful. It is very powerful. I, I wanted to ask you, but I think I'll actually, I'll put a pin in it till we have time to really talk about the learning journey. But I definitely, when we get to that episode, I definitely want to dig into how you've designed the learning journey to fill up when they take lessons focused on specific communicative tasks. Because I think that that's really in, like interesting and well thought out, but also motivating for students to be able to see kind of their little pinwheel is what I always call it. Um, fill up in the the app. Right. No.
1: Yeah. It's everything is connected to our communicative tasks throughout Immerse and whether you're practicing with an AI avatar, Mm -hmm. right. Um, or you're even going to one of our, you know, our connect sessions where you just have some conversation. It's all connected because it's not going to take one lesson on one task to build that that task Mm -hmm. and you know i should also say that our tasks are spiraled so throughout our levels you may revisit you know making a request or negotiation or giving advice but you're doing so um and it's building in complexity right Mm -hmm. so um
0: yeah and you're Uh, also doing so in different contexts like i know i've seen you design you know the the initial lesson on whatever that task is will be in one scene and then the second and third lesson will be in others so that they can really apply that in different settings and, and absolutely, help solidify it. Absolutely. So,
1: yeah. No, I appreciated this dialogue today.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for answering all my questions. I guess like I, I've said in the past, you know, obviously I have a decent understanding of the curriculum work you do because we work so closely together. But I like being able to break it down and ask you all the questions I've been thinking about and that listeners might be thinking about, too.
1: Yeah, no great i appreciate it it's good to it's good to break it down so i can think through mm-hmm. it myself too
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah excellent well thank you all for listening um next week christine and i have a it's a little different but it's a very exciting episode uh we went to the Eurocall conference in iceland and so we'll be doing a little conference recap sharing about we had two talks that we did there we also worked a table um, so we'll just be sharing a little bit about that, how it went, any insights from from the conference, and then we'll be back to our more like regular flip-flop back and forth between research and curriculum.
1: Yeah, really excited to to unpack that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. See y'all next Thank you. week.